Thanks for listening to Matt McLaughlin History. Become a subscriber to receive exclusive bonus episodes, ad-free listening, early access to all episodes, and special member-only events. Click on the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash mmhistory. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you've always wanted to visit the battlefields of Gallipoli, and if you're into military history, you really should do that, I've got a great opportunity for you. Coming up in September 2020, we've got the Matt McLaughlin Signature Tour. Now, this is a type of tour we launched in 2019, and basically it's the only tour that I personally escort. So in 2019, we went to the Western Front, and in 2020, we're going to Gallipoli. It's going to be absolutely extraordinary. We are going to walk the ground as the Anzacs did. And as a special bonus, it's not just going to be me escorting this tour. We are also going to have the one and only Mr. Peter Hart the historian from the Imperial War Museum that you would know from past episodes of this podcast, one of our most popular contributors. He knows Gallipoli better than anyone else. So he and I are going to be escorting this very special tour. So it's going to be brilliant. We'd love to see you there. It's really limited. We're only going to have 20 or 25 passengers on this tour. uh, And it's been on sale for a couple of months and it's selling really strongly. So there's not many places left. If you would love to explore Gallipoli in the company of two historians who know it and live the story of Gallipoli... There's no better opportunity. This is a unique tour. We're not going to run it again. If we do, it will be many years in the future. So don't miss this opportunity if you want to come to Gallipoli and walk the ground with us. So it departs on the 16th of September 2020 from Istanbul. We spend some time in Istanbul, and then we're going to head down to the peninsula and bring your walking shoes because we are going to get off the beaten track. There's hidden paths. There's trenches that have been revealed. We're going to walk the ridges and the gullies just like the Anzacs did, and we're going to get a unique perspective on this absolutely wonderful battlefield. I love Gallipoli. I can't wait to get back there. Come with me. Come on the Matt McLaughlin Signature Tour uh, with the special guest, Peter Hart. Uh, Departs, as I said, 16 September 2020 from Istanbul. For details, go to battlefields.com.au. A Living History Production. This is the Living History Podcast, broadcasting live across the airwaves. Hello everyone, welcome to Living History. It's 2020, it's a new year, it's a new season of Living History and over the next 12 months we are looking forward to bringing you some absolutely amazing content on the podcast. So thank you for joining us over the last couple of years. The podcast is now, without a doubt, the leading history podcast in Australia. We've got thousands and thousands of followers every week. And thank you so much for joining me on this journey through history. Stick around in 2020. There's going to be some great stuff coming up on the podcast. Speaking of exciting podcasts, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. This week, we are launching on the Living History Channel a brand new podcast series, a brand new podcast about history. And it's hosted by the one and only Peter Hart. Now, you would have heard Peter Hart on the podcast before. 
for 40 years, he was the oral historian at the Imperial War Museum in London. He's interviewed thousands of veterans about their experience of war. And he's launching a new series on our channel. So it's going to be called Peter Hart's Military History. So please subscribe to that and follow what Peter is doing because it's going to be extraordinary every week. He's going to bring you tales from the vaults of history. It's really exciting. We're really looking forward to it. So go over to the Living History channel, subscribe to that one, Peter Hart's Military History. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. But don't just listen to Peter Hart. Also stay here on this channel and listen to me on Living History because we've got some great things coming up starting this week with an interview I've wanted to bring you for quite some time. My guest this week is Dan Snow. You would know Dan. Anyone who's into history knows Dan. He's one of the leading historians in the world, and his History Hit channel does incredible things, both the podcast, which I'm sure you all know and love, but also his digital TV channel. It's the Netflix of history. So it was really great to catch up with Dan. I'm doing more and more work with Dan. He's a wonderful historian. I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing with him. And it was great to sit down with him and just talk about his journey through history and the wonderful work that he is doing in the history space. So welcome back to Living History. Please enjoy this interview with Dan Snow. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you on Living History. Well, it's an honour. Thanks for having me, man. Now, Dan, you've done some pretty amazing things in the UK, very well known over there, potentially slightly less well known to an Australian audience. I'd love to hear your version of just this incredible story of, of how you've made history your life. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I, well, first of all, I just would say I've just been incredibly lucky. I, 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 I have to pinch myself every day that, you know, my job involves, like you, buddy, like my job involves, you know, one minute standing at Stonehenge, the next minute talking to a veteran who's 105 years old who survived the you know imprisonment after Singapore uh, and then the next minute maybe traveling off somewhere fantastic like Timbuktu or the pyramids of Egypt or something and uh, and talking about history there so it began as a I had a very conventional uh, TV career I got very lucky got on the BBC as in my early 20s um, out, you know outrageously outrageous chance really uh, and then made one program after another kind of conventional TV shows uh, based in Britain and around, and then wrote the odd book, but found, you know, writing books is savage, you know, as, as you know, right? It's just, it's relentless. Uh, nobody buys them. It's, it was just tough. And, and so I, I just kind of really doubled down on the broadcasting and then stumbled across, you know, um, digital, like podcasting and, and video and stuff of like that on online. And that just gave me another whole lease on life because uh, as, as you've been a trailblazer, for it takes control into your own hands. You know, like I'd go in for meetings with broadcasters or commissioners and, and they'd be like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure people are that interested in the Seven Years War. I'm not sure people are that interested in the anniversary of the First World War. And you're like, I don't know, man, I think they might be. But then, you know, you don't have any power in that situation and, and you have to do what you're told. And so the joy of, of what I've done, I've established a podcast, History Hit, and, and, a, and a TV channel as well, HistoryHit.tv, which is a subscription channel, works like Netflix. And it just means that I can now, I, like, so now 90% of the time I'm working for myself. Like I'm, I'm doing my own thing and, and people get in touch saying we, we're, we're about to open a grave, uh, a tomb of a, a Highlander that fought alongside Bonnie Prince Charlie at the Battle of Culloden in 1746. And, and we're going to check his DNA, see if it's really him. And do you want to come in? I'm like, in the old days, I had to, uh, ask permission to do that, you know, go to the BBC or one of these broadcasters. And now I'm like, yep, I'll be there. See him. I'll come on Monday. And I just bring my own team and we put it out on the podcast like you. We put it out on a, you know, TV. We've had on 
social media and we put out on the, on our TV channel as well. So I could, I mean, it's things are pretty exciting. I'm I'm so happy to hear you say that, Dan, because I had a chat, a really good chat, a, a few months ago with Dan Carlin, the U.S. historian, and he was. We were agreeing about this exact point that in the old days there were gatekeepers of content. There were, if you wanted to be an author, you had to get a book contract. If you wanted to be an actor, you had to get a TV contract, or a musician, you had to get a recording contract. But through technology and through people just getting out there and just doing it, we're in this wonderful era where everyone has a voice and you can be the master of your own destiny. It's an exciting time, isn't it? It's really exciting. And the other thing is, is there's no compromise, right? Like, I, I think it's really hard to commission history if you're at uh, a big TV station, right? Because the audience are like everybody and, and you don't know what people are going to, what level of interest people are going to want to have. The joy that I have is I, I've got like, so I'm not worrying about broadcasting to 5 million people. I know I've just got like a few hundred thousand people, but they're keen. You know, they, they're like, they're up for it. And they will listen to the full length of the interview that I conduct with a great historian about, uh, you know, the, the first fleet. Right. And, and they, they're up for like, if, if I'm interested for 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, they will be too. And, and I know that it won't have much, you know, people in the wider, you know, I get lots of people who get in touch, say, you know, my boyfriend finds me weird. I listen to your podcast in the car. He can't believe it. He just, he just, for him, it's like gobbledygook. I'm like, good. That's what I want. I want super fans, man. I want people that are into history. Uh, and that, that, and they're my people. And I'm not worried about the big vanilla uh, broadcasting operation where you've got a, you know, it's like you've got five different family members all watching TV, like when we were growing up, buddy. You remember that? And, and, and you've got to appeal to kind of all of them, right? And, and I'm cool with not doing that anymore. I'm cool with going, no, this is going to be for people that are pretty interested in this stuff already. And I don't have to spend much time going, hey, history's fun, you should check it out. It's like, no, no, like the people, that if some crazy person has found this podcast, Matt, or my podcast on the internet, they are into history, right? You, you can take that for granted. And so I love the starting point. I love, the, I, love the, I love the assumptions that are completely different to working in the old media. You're so right. And the thing I love about it, I mean, we're, we're doing similar things, just, just getting a message out there. And I love the response you get from people as well, because you're right, you, you're tapping into a a fan base who are enthusiastic about it. They're very engaged. And I love that immediate feedback you get from people um, when you're doing something they enjoy. It's, it's really gratifying. You know, I think, you know, I think sport has been a bit of an inspiration to me, curiously, because, you, you, you know, you turn on a science show or a history show on conventional TV and, and they treat everyone like an idiot, right? You turn on sports shows and the, guy, the guys are just immediately talking about, like batting averages in intense detail that no one can that they assume people understand and i'm like good you know i want to watch i want to watch detailed analysis where shane warne used to put the ball compared to modern spin bowlers and they're they're unabashed about that they're they're not that and and that's what i want to do i want i want to people turn on my channel listen to my podcast you get that level of intensity and for some people that's like way too much i'm like good you know go and you can go and do something else but for me uh, if, if people want analysis of, of how effective 18th century musketry was, then you're in the right place. It's not just us, obviously, who are um, able to put out a message now. Any, Really anyone today who feels like they have something to say, and not just in the history space, in any space, has a platform. That, that also has a little bit of a dark side, though. I mean, there's just so much volume of content being put out there. Do you Do you feel that in the history space in particular there's a danger of, uh, you know, not the right sort of content being absorbed by people? Well, Matt, you're completely right. And this is why 
you know, you and I are part of the problem. As well. <laughs> we need to be part of the solution as well. But, you know, you've got like flourishing conspiracy theories. You've got, you know, the platform, you know, you've got arguably the Rohingya crisis in, in Myanmar was partly caused by like, you know, broadcasters on Facebook effectively like stirring up ethnic tension and, and leading to you know, genocide. So, so this is a, it's a huge issue, right? When, when everyone's a broadcaster, when everyone's got a voice, uh, it's, it's exciting, it's empowering, but it's also potentially incredibly destructive. Um, and, uh, and I think a lot of, you know, I'm not covering any new ground here, but a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, extremist politicians have, have risen off the back of it. So, so I, I'm very mindful of that, you know, and I try to, uh, I try to make sure that I hold myself to pretty high standards, but no, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the Washington post. I'm not the New York times. I'm not the, I'm not the the BBC, like these things with a kind of huge legal department and, and people cross checking everything that goes out. And so it's, it is, it is pretty challenging, but uh, yeah. And the other thing is volume, of course, you know, there's just people are spoiled. Like there's, um, there's phenomenal, I mean, look, five years, 15 years ago, you would have won a Pulitzer prize for, for, for shots that now kids are taking on their phones in Syria every day. So it is intensely, extraordinary like the amount of stuff that's out and so i i'm like I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful that people watch and listen to my stuff i mean i'm amazed how, i mean how do they find me on the internet like how do they find you this is in, this is we're so lucky uh and maybe we got a little head start and maybe we're trying to do add some value but i, I just I, I just want to keep going keep producing great stuff keep talking to the audience um because yeah there's a huge amount out there they, they that they could they, their attention could be grabbed by other stuff of course it could and what about the age-old debate between the academic class of historians and the, the people that I... Well, I certainly fit into the camp of the more popular historian. It used to be the case that the, the, it, it, there was a feeling that only the, the people with seven PhDs were entitled to talk about history. That's certainly come tumbling down these days. And I know you've struggled with that as well. I know that you've had you know, people saying that you weren't worthy of, of commenting on historic um, you know, periods of time. How how do we go these days? Do you feel this this balance between the academic historians at the universities and the great institutions, and the people who are just simply out there doing it because they love it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wrestle with this every day, and I, I like to pretend that um, it doesn't affect me when when academics say that I'm an idiot. Uh, but it does. You know, that that is something that that I struggle with, and I, and and all I can do is try and be as good as I can be, and. But also, I make mistakes all the time, and because you know, if you're involved in the, if you're involved in um, popularizing history, and and you, you put out a tweet and you say, "Oh my goodness, today is the first time in 200 years that Westminster Abbey had been whatever," and then some area specialist will be like, "That is not correct," and you're like, "Okay, sorry," and you have to get raw. But you know, you and and then so if people are looking, you know, scrutinizing you the whole time, uh, you know, I I give them plenty of ammunition. I I mess up and I apologize and I move on and I try and try and do a better job next time so uh but i i do I, I, and i do feel that uh, that you know that the, the the greatest historians of the world are the ones at universities who are working away on these extraordinary uh extraordinarily ambitious you know i had a, a historian the other day writing a history of of british democracy on the podcast and he's just you know he's a legend uh m- i guess my other thing is I, I i'm here to try and multiply the impact of those guys i mean my podcast has got women and men from academia on it the whole time. Uh, 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, unedited, l- listened to by millions of people a month. Um, I, I hope that I'm doing my bit. You know, if it's, 
it's it's not just me. It's not me ranting into a into a phone and then broadcasting my version of history. I, I hope that I'm able to celebrate some of the greatest work that's been that's going on at the moment by historians. Uh, and and when great you know big big books come, I mean, I, I have a range of people on the podcast from veterans to popular historians to tour guides to 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 academics. But I and I hope I'm celebrating them and 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 helping amplify their work. Uh, that's and then the ambition, of course, is as you know, as I get as my operation gets bigger and better, um, I'll be doing less as well. Like I'd like to sit, sit back and just let a great historian uh, front front the piece um, once I can afford to pay people properly, uh, which is a you know soon coming soon. So I, I hope I think it's it's always important to be mindful of that. I, I don't I think we have I think humans have every right to think about to discuss to write to, to talk about history. We shouldn't be hurt then when specialists and academics kind of criticise us because that's part of it, and I look forward to that exchange and I learn from that. Um, but I but I defend the right of people like me and you to to get out there and go and visit Anzac and and go and visit you know the Kokoda Trail and and talk about our experiences and and share some of that content. Like I, you know, you, there can't there can't be an exclusivity to it. Uh, but I but I also am mindful that. I'm I'm telling people about my shortcomings. I'm explaining that sometimes I'm the I'm the kind of entry level person, and and the, the, these are the books they might want to read, or these are the shows they might want to watch if they want to take their interest further. So I, I I'm sure I don't get the balance right, but that's the ambition. Well, you're certainly reaching a lot of people who are responding very positively to the content. There are a lot of history fans out there, and you're obviously reaching a lot of them. Um, tell us about history here, particularly the TV channel, because this is something really exciting in a really new way to be delivering a history message to people. Well, thanks, Matt. As you know, I'd love you to you know, um, collaborate on stuff. We'd be great to work together on things. So in the future, but as we grow, uh, you know, I, it, it was a bit ambitious and the technology became available that, that it, we, it wasn't super, super expensive to build a video-on-demand channel, like a, a Netflix, effectively, where there's a, a paywall and people can get, um, pay a, a small fee every month and then, and then go inside there and watch as subscribers and watch content and that, that that became you know that which had been the preserve of your Netflix and your Amazon Prime until a few years ago that that became kind of realistic for even you know small startups and um, people like me so so I, I, I we built one of these um, platforms with crowdfunded money we, we crowdfunded well over 150,000 British pounds uh, and we built it and we stocked it with with licensed content and then we started making our own content and the really interesting thing and the, the really hopeful thing because i was really worried that what if you know because licensing content from you know big us australian british suppliers you know stuff that's been a documentary that was made last year 10 years ago is pretty expensive and you don't own it and then you have to license it again the following year right so i was worried that that's what everyone would want to watch but in fact everyone weirdly i think it's coming back to the fact they're true history fans they were actually on the on my channel. I was thrilled that they were watching the long interview with Professor Margaret Macmillan about the outbreak of the First World War, which was just me and Professor Macmillan sitting in our house in Oxford chatting about the outbreak of war. So that made me think, hang on, in that case, we can actually do this. We don't have to pay for the expensive licenses for your, you know, your big famous TV shows. Uh, we can actually, you know, we've got thousands of people in there watching uh, shows, you know, uh, where... Well, where we're opening the tomb of the Jacobite warrior, for example, or or um, or we we look at the we walk the streets of Birmingham and look at the r- real story behind Peaky Blinders, uh, with a with a great fantastic historian from Birmingham. So the fact that we can both of those both of those stars came into alignment, it became uh, 
realistic to build one of these platforms and, and ask for subscribers. And it also became realistic to make that TV, you know, make it cheap. You got the cameras are small, they become easier to operate. You don't have to have a big crew. You don't have to have hundreds of people knocking about. You can go out really like me. And like, I, I'll go out now with one um, colleague uh, with a backpack. We can, we can travel on the subway. We can, we can travel hand luggage only on a flight. And um, we can get out, set up and interview someone with incredible, with incredibly high quality. Like that, these cameras now that are in the backpack are sixty times the resolution of the huge cameras operated by two guys that I started my career with. So uh, there's, there's been several kind of changes, revolutions in the industry that have all led me to this place where basically I have I have a kind of TV channel, and there's subscribers from Auckland to Seattle it's it's because it's international it's truly exciting uh and and I think history fans are pretty international right I mean I I, I love I, I mean I don't I don't feel restricted by place or by period uh and I'm sure you know, people are interested in 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 one event it might lead them down a, a path you know if they get interested in military history if you're interested in military history well you're going to get interested in Alexander the Great you're going to get interested in the Maori Wars in New Zealand you're going to get interested in the, the war in the Pacific, you're getting interested in the Spartans. Like it, it doesn't feel that you're kind of a geographical lock on that. So it, it seems that we've got a pretty international audience that, that, are, that are interested in the stuff that we're producing. Just hearing you talk there, Dan, the one thing I have to say is how jealous I am of the amount of history you have on your doorstep. Just uh, the, the, It's incredible, uh, especially you know in Australia, we, we have a, a fascinating history. But just the depth of the the historic experience in Europe is just absolutely mind blowing. Every time I'm over there, I just every building at every corner seems to be telling another historic story. Yeah, I mean that is that is a you know what I didn't I don't think about this enough, but that is true, right? And to be a history broadcaster, a startup history broadcaster based in London, is pretty sweet. Like you can you can walk out. I mean, we have it's quite cool. We walk out of the office sometimes. I say we take uh, you know we take the subway. I mean, sometimes we can walk out of the office. And we can go to a, a site of global historic significance by walking to it. Uh, and, and not just global historic significance for, for people like Little England. You know, this is a place where you know, the, 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 the Atlantic slave trade was either encouraged or banned, respectively, depending on the century. You know, this is a place which will help explain the, you know, the geopolitics of the world, where, where American, where Ben Franklin, you know, worked when he was in London, or, or this is, so it's not just British stuff, this is a place where you can look at the Roman, you know, the, the few fragments of Roman ruins in London, you can go and check those out, so yeah, that's true, and then from there, you, you know, you can go to the industrial north of England, where the industri- this industrial revolution begins, you know, this whole story that ends today with the bushfires of Australia, carbon being emitted to our atmosphere, changing our climate, you know, that story begins effectively in, in sort of the, the West Midlands and the north, the northeast, northwest of England, uh, with the with the you know use of steam, use of the elemental uh, power of the earth to to create energy, to create unimaginable horsepower. So, um, yeah, and then and then you hop on a train and you're in Paris, and then it's you know I don't need to tell you that what what are the opportunities there? So I, I agree, and I think we've benefited from that. We we can give our even my small little team can create quite international history. Quite, quite dynamic, different history. You know, you, if you can be in Versailles in three hours from the office, uh, or you can be in Stonehenge, or you can be at a Second World War airfield that still has the scars of the fighting, then, then you have a great opportunity. Well, as I said, uh, I'm certainly very jealous of that, but that's why I enjoy getting to Europe so I can explore some of those things. Dan, there's, there's an angle I wanted to discuss with you that one of the common qu- things that gets put to me is, why don't you just let it all go, Matt? Why are you living in the past? There's so many things to worry about today and the future and... 
you know, why are you living in the past? So I wanted to put it to you, Dan. Is history still important today? Is our understanding of what went on still important today? Yeah, I mean, I struggle with this sometimes, Matt, because you, you, you're, you go to a place like Northern Ireland or you go to a place like Israel-Palestine, and actually what you see is too much history, right? You see, you see people arguing and fighting and, and, and literally fighting in many cases about things that have happened hundreds of years ago. And I think the answer to that, unfortunately, is that is the human condition. We have memory. We have memory of our own childhoods and we have memory of our collective past. And unless we address that, we can't move forward. Like, you know, it would be really fun to do a big system reset. Well, it wouldn't, I don't know if it would be fun, but it would be an interesting experiment to just do a whole system reset, right? Um, and, uh, and it, but, but we can't. Like, it, unfortunately, it doesn't work. So we're creatures of memory. We're creatures of tradition. Those are the stories we tell about ourselves. And, and that, that's what makes us who we are. So, so if, you, if you have a... Fr- I mean, I always think about this on an individual level, which is our history is what makes us individuals. It's what makes us sad, happy, um, violent, uh, traumatised, uh, enthusiastic, positive, rich, poor, healthy. So if, you, if you've got a friend, as, I, as I'm sure you have, who's been working with some mental health problems, you've got to start with the history, unfortunately. Like, you've got to say, well, what's... What's happened to you? We, of course, we're moving forward. Of course, we're lit. So I'm interested in the past because I'm interested in the future. <laughs> That's Of course, you and I, Matt, are interested in the future. Like, I am fascinated by where we're going, how we achieve social justice, how we sort the environment out, how we li- learn to live together as a species, how we better govern ourselves. Like, how do we, how do we build a world in which, you know, Donald Trump uh, and people like him are not holding high office because he's clearly unsuited to the job. You know, he's, he, he, he's so, so how... And the answer to all those things lies in the past, unfortunately. The answer to understanding how we got to where we are, understanding why Australia exists, uh, why, why, why you have a, a woman who lives thousands of miles away on your currency, understanding that involves just checking into the past a little bit, as indeed under, does understanding our, our friends, our family members who are going through things, good and bad. We need to go, oh, well, that's because, you know, they, they they struggled with money when they were young. They were they suffered abuse of some description. They were young. They they were excluded when they were young from school. So I am I have of course I am fascinated by the present and I I'm obsessed by the future and that's why the journey often leads us into the past. It's an interesting balance the the past future present. Do you think we're living in an era now that future historians are going to look back on and and think is a, a significant time in human history? I, I, yeah, well, it, well, we'll have to wait and see, buddy. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many things happening now that we are, it feels to me that we are sort of teetering in between two kind of totally different outcomes. There's a kind of optimistic future, which, I, which I'm still quite wedded to. Maybe I'm a child of the 90s. You know, the 90s was an amazing time for listeners that are too young to remember. The, the Cold War had ended. China hadn't risen yet. Um, and looked like it was taking, looked like it was kind of beginning to conform, maybe to, to you know, joining the World Trade Organization. It was beginning to kind of make its behaviour conform to kind of international norms. Um, the the there were, there were regional problems, of course, like appalling random genocide in Yugoslavia. But it, the, the and it was before this kind of apparent existential threat of radical Islam, a political Islam had raised its head in the noughties. So there was a time in the nineties when I was coming of age, which probably therefore affects me, hence the importance of history, because to understand me, you've got to understand how I grew up and where I grew up. Uh, there was a time when we thought everything was kind of fixed and we were just moving towards the sunlit uplands of, of, of democracy and, and progress. And then 
And then the last 20 years have been less less optimistic, starting perhaps with 9-11, the endless wars, climate, the, the, the sort of the Russia, China, various things going on geopolitically. So I, I and the answer is, uh, therefore, I don't know. So are, are we at a point where in the next 20 years, we're going to we're going to reverse climate change through sucking carbon out of the atmosphere with vast amounts of renewable energy that we're going to be able to create? Are we going to be in a place where medical breakthroughs like personalised medicine transforms our lives, extends um, extends uh, 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 our, our lifespans, both in absolute terms and in, in terms of the kind of healthy lifespan? Um, millions of people lifted out of poverty like they are in China, uh, you know, um, uh, de- defeating some of the, what, the great diseases like cancer? Or are we going to go back into a period like invoices have got environmental breakdown, we've got political extremism, we've got interstate rivalry, and, you know, things like pandemics that are going to come out of the blue, right? So uh, the answer is we don't know yet, but definitely historians will be able to find the evidence for both in, in the present. The historians will be able to point to evidence of both of those two things going on at the same time. So whichever outcome we arrive at, uh, the, the, it will, the, the, the fingerprints will be all over the present, I think. In this changing world, Dan, we've got we live in a, a world now where everyone's hyper connected, but doesn't seem to communicate very well at all. We live in a very every society is very multicultural these days. How do we keep that message of history and why it's important? How do we keep that alive? How do we keep people engaged? Because if you look at the sort of people that are now making up the population of the UK or Australia or America, that's very different from ten, twenty, thirty years ago. How do we how do we keep this our story, our historic story, relevant in such a changing world? Well, I think there's two things about that. And one is, for me, I, I mean, I'm the son of journalists, so I'm always quite obsessed with the present. And some, some historians and people disagree with this, but I, I like to root things in the present. Like if I, I, I love to go, hey, everyone, you, you want to know why uh, the um, US has got issues with, you know, want to know why people are being shot in schools in the US with alarming frequency? Well, here's why. And so you start with something that is in everybody's life, like you know, bushfires. You, 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 know, uh, you start with like, or the Rohingya we mentioned, like, hey, you see that insane, appalling situation that is affecting your life today? Well, let's talk about the context. Let's talk about the history of that. So, I, And that will, of course, affect everyone, you know, of any colour and creed and age, because they're living through something. They're experiencing something. So in the case of the UK, Brexit, you know, you... There's people who think they're not interested, in, not interested in history, and they're suddenly like, "Oh, hang on, this is these powers were taken by Henry VIII in his, you know, during the break with Rome, and then you know, so you're that is the present is always a gateway to history, in, in my opinion. Uh, the, the, the second thing, though, is storytelling. I guess just making something incredibly compelling, and I, I think you can be, uh, you know, I've got a, 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 a colleague here who's a recently arrived uh, Nigerian colleague. And if you tell the right story, they are fascinated by it. Like, you know, you have to work a bit harder because they're not like, oh, um, well, these, you know, these these people don't look like me. But I've got I've got no I've got no particular kinship to 18th century British industrialists as as I might do because actually I know I'm descended from them, right? So I've got that kind of sense. But you know, my colleague is 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 like, you, you tell the right story, you you show them Chatsworth House, you show them what was going on there, and and that's compelling for anybody. So I don't think. I, I don't worry about that too much. Like, I don't think that a kind of uh, a, per, a personal and ethnic kinship with the, of people and events that have gone before are essential to in, enjoying and being fascinated by them. And I, I think the stories from the past are able to stand up for themselves. It, it, but, and also, uh, but we should also say, 
I, I, in the last 20 years, have had my eyes open to world history, loosely call it, in a way that I, I didn't through my formal education. And you know, so the reciprocal thing is, if we're going to talk about northern industrialists in England, a bunch of dead white guys who helped to build the modern world and a way of making things, um, I'm also, I've been thrilled to learn more about you know the, the non-European history that I've come across over the last few years and going to Timbuktu and learning about that literary culture or... Uh, you know, learning more about the 19th century history of Sudan that I was doing the other day. Like, so, so I think we, our histories will change and evolve the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we learn about. And, and I, and I feel it will get, and, and that will get richer because we're going to be hearing stories that you and I didn't hear when we were growing up. I think you're absolutely right. I think the, our understanding of the historic tapestry is getting richer as we go along. You mentioned Brexit. And one of the things that struck me about the, the Brexit debate in particular is, somewhat of a corruption of history, if you like, that, that people are selectively picking historic times to make their own argument on whatever side of the fence they sit on. Do, do you see that in the UK? For example, we saw a lot about the Blitz spirit in World War II and, and all this sort of stuff gets wrapped up in the, in the story of Brexit. Do you see that there's a, there's a selective application of the, the story of history when it suits a particular purpose? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. And, and you see that with American politics. You see it with UK politics. And um, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 we're all arguing about this at the moment in the UK. I mean, the prime minister came out the other day and said free trade is what made Britain great. And we're a free trading nation. And, and that's incredible. I mean, that's just mind. I mean, that's selective at best. Right. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't mention the fact that um, that, you know, that Britain got wealthy because it sent ships down to the African coast and transported enslaved Africans against their will to work in sugar and other um, production facilities in, in, in the new world. So like, you know, there's nothing free trade about that. Uh, and then, and then by the way, didn't let Dutch and French ships trade with those colonies. So, so like we, we, yeah, we, we're in that battle the whole time. And, and yeah, the, the people talked about the Blitz spirit standing alone against uh, against Hitler. Now, I don't have to tell you as an Australian, but I'm a Canadian passport holder, and Britain was not alone in the battle against Hitler. Even in 1940, Britain had um, Australia. It had the it had the largest country in North America on its side, Canada. It had the largest volunteer army of all time. What would become the largest volunteer army of all time, the Indian Army, on its side, uh, however reluctantly. So. Um, it, it, like there are myths about Britain, and we choose not to tell ourselves about the myth of you know the, the fact that Queen Victoria, how she saw her her Britishness, her Germanness, how they spoke German within within her with the family unit, you know. So these we have been incredibly selective, and that's but you know I, I guess I'm selective too. I choose to draw inspiration and and from bits of history that that suit me in the present. That's what we all do. Uh, and it's up to us to get out there and debate it and fight and convince and overturn. And that's kind of what's fun about it. And that's what's when you do end up sort of dipping into the politics, the, the realm of politics. But, yeah, and I think you come back to your earlier point about why live in the past. Well, you just point out that every general election campaign, every uh, that people are making exhortations to the past the whole time. It's not your it's not you, buddy. You're just you're just following the lead of politicians, of 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 uh, of various other of, of sort of. Um, opinion formers. People are always drawing back into the past for inspiration, saying things were better then, saying things were different then, saying how we should be more like it, less like it. You know, that that's what humans do. Do we as storytellers have an obligation to try and protect the legacy of history in some respects? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I basically, I'm pretty bruised because I, I, I get involved in some little political spats about history and then everyone slags me off online and 
and uh, and I haven't changed anyone's mind and all that, and I've just annoyed people. So I, so I don't know. I don't know why I bother. But it's, sometimes you can't really help. But it's. I think it's. Fu- I think it's fun. I, I like getting involved in the kind of contemporary discourse. It's fun to go. Just so you know, the highest scoring squadron in the Battle of Britain was the Polish Airmen. You know, it's kind of a it's a fun thing to throw in occasionally. Um, but uh, I think that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we do. I think we, you and I, uh, you know, we're in a, such a hugely privileged position. We've carved out a little career in history and we're, you know, certainly you in Australia, you're, you're sp- I think you are a spokesperson for the, for the, for the subject itself. Um, and therefore, yeah, I think it's important to, to stand up when it comes under fire or when people are discussing how much history we should teach in schools. I think it's right that you have a, you, you speak out on that. And, and I think it's, it's brave that you do rather than just, um, sit back and quietly hope you're going to amass more subscribers. So these there are tensions there, but but I think it's I think it's important if you I think it's important to get to get involved in the public conversation. What are we going to see from uh, from Dan Snow coming up? If you could wave your magic wand and and have everything fall into place, what uh, what will we be seeing in the coming years from Dan Snow? Well, the old magic wand question, eh? Wouldn't that be like? Uh, well, I I mean I would Matt. I'm incredibly lucky. I love. The, fir- the first th- I, I got on location, I was 23 years old. I f- I, my first ever filming day was on the battlefield of Alamein in Egypt uh, in the footsteps of the mighty Australian division. Uh, and I was, I just realised I loved it. You know, I was in a Land Rover driving across the desert talking about history in the place where it happened. And I just thought this one I'd spend the rest of my life doing. And, I, and, and so therefore... It's actually quite straightforward what I would love to do. I, um, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I would like to have a, a, let the ambition increase. Like I'd love to walk the Kokoda Trail with you, and I, I'd, I'd like to go and see some of the extraordinary underwater archaeology of the of the of the South and uh, and and West Pacific. So so yeah, with you know a bit more a bit more resource uh, would be great. But but ultimately, it's it's going to these extraordinary places that that humans have fought and loved and written and invented in and just been been there and seen it like it's you know that's the, that's just that's as good as it gets for me right and so uh and my personal i mean I, I love naval maritime and naval history so my strange idea which i've never told anyone but i will share this with you because you asked the magic one question um is i would love to just start on a dugout canoe and end up on a on a u.s supercarrier and try and chart the story of our maritime past through every single ship in between. You know, every replica, every uh, every traditional vessel still floating, test it out, see see the how it changed, how it evolved, and then what that allowed humans to do. You know, travel that bit further, carry carry a greater weight of, of trade goods, of, of weaponry, or whatever it might have been. So that would be a, that would be a dream. Uh, and so yeah, check this, watch this space. Well, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I mean, you're doing great things, and and I'd encourage everyone listening to uh, to check out History Hit the uh, the TV channel because I'm a subscriber and I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Um, just thanks so much for for coming on the show. I'm sure this won't be the uh, the last time we hear from you, and uh, just looking forward to seeing what other great things you do in the history space in the future. Thanks, Matt. Likewise, I'm looking forward to getting you on my podcast. Tell the Brits all about what's going on over there with you. Thanks, Dan. It's been great. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.